That's right. All of our all of our hosts and DJs are volunteers, and we were able to provide quality programming with your support. So consider becoming a member of WHIV by setting up monthly donations of any amount that you wish, because they will help us stay solvent, and that's so important for us. And in any community radio type situation, all donations to WHIV are tax deductible. We have a new line of WHIV t-shirts and tank tops uh, that will look great for the spring. So simply go to whivfm.org, click store or donate. Thank you for supporting WHIV. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. And Resistance Radio starts right now. When machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM in New Orleans. We are proudly streaming live on 1230 AM WBOK. Welcome to everybody at WBOK. Thank you uh, for providing this stream. Welcome to 102.3 WHIV. Um, my name is Mark Allendary, and I am flying solo today as Kenny Francis is away on a well-deserved holiday and vacation. And uh, it is a, a real pleasure uh, to have on uh, a guest that we had on NOLA Matters last week, which is Peter Robbins-Brown, who is the, co- the Communications Director for Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. More information about them can be found at 
at powercoalition.org. And at one point, hopefully today, uh, we are going to be also speaking to Royce Duplessis, who uh, is a friend of WHIV and a friend of the shows, and he uh, obviously is in District Number 93. Uh, and we're here to talk about more things, politics in the state of Louisiana, and in particular, really the this uh, incredible bill uh, that uh, the Power Coalition uh, uh which was uh, House HR four four two is that four twenty two four twenty two yeah four two two and so I guess let let's take a step back Peter welcome to WHIV we're happy to have you back thank Glad you to be back and uh, maybe talk to us a bit about what four twenty first before we do that just real quickly Power Coalition yeah absolutely what is that? Um, so the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice is a uh, statewide civic engagement table nonprofit organization uh, we coordinate with uh, other nonprofits uh, across the state. Uh, working on issues of equity and justice, of course. Um, so that's anything from criminal justice reform, economic justice, essentially justice issues in general. Um, and, you know, we fight uh, for policies that lift up uh, Louisiana's working families. Um, we believe in, you know, uh, fighting for the people, being trying to be the voice of the people. And in order to do that, we go out across the state and we listen to people and find out what they want us to work on. And that's how we build our agenda. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, and nonprofit organization, nonprofit five hundred one c three. So uh, a lot of we do a lot of voter or... engagement. We do uh-huh. um, we do uh, yeah. I mean funding. We you know we bring it in from all sources. Uh, a lot of grant work. Um, but yeah, we we work with uh, you know people in the state. You know in the state nationally, we have a you know pretty amazing network. Right, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, and uh, so tell us about four twenty two. Yeah, so um, 422 is a bill that is sponsored by Representative Duplessis, who is uh, you know busy doing the people's business right now, and will hopefully right, be right. able to call in. Um, it's a big, it, you know, it's it's a big bill. Uh, it is so currently the state of Louisiana bans cities and parishes from setting their own local minimum wage and family and sick leave policies. So, for instance, the city of New Orleans has raised wages for city workers and contract workers, but that's all they can do. And that represents a very small percentage of the workforce here in Orleans Parish. If they wanted to say that, you know, every business had to pay at least X amount of dollars, whatever that is set, um, they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to do that. The state would essentially slap us down. And that goes for any city and parish in the state. Um so 422 would repeal that ban and it would restore local freedom, restore the ability of local governments to make these decisions based on the needs of their community. And, um, you know, it's a like any minimum wage well, bill in the state. It's controversial. Let me ask <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. But right. I was starting to but cut off a good question. We're right. Well, let's put a pin in that. Yes, right there, okay? Absolutely. So because I want to get back to that. Yeah. OK, but. Tell me why uh, the state of Louisiana would have, why would they ban, I mean, we hear so much about states' rights or local rights and school boards and local, 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 mm-hmm. rights, 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 and and, uh, and it seems as though those rights and locals and all that stuff really only pertain when it's like it's, it's advantageous to mostly the right wing and to maintain the right wing privilege that permeates this, this country. So why is it that, that I, well, I mean, I guess I just answered your question, but I mean, can you explain to us uh, why we have States that or why Louisiana d- does these preemption laws? Yeah. So like you, like you said, these, t- these, these laws are technically called preemption laws. It's a word that nobody really understands. I think it's intentionally a word that nobody kind of understands. Um, Historically, these were actually kind of good laws. Uh, it was the federal government preempting yeah, th- that. I understand, right, right, exactly. right. Civil rights, the civil and, rights, and a know, lot of a I lot of totally things. Totally understand that. And starting about twenty five years ago, um, 
essentially the business lobby, uh, both in the state here in Louisiana, but across the country, realized that this was something, a tool that they could use uh, to sort of take a stranglehold on uh, the way that people do business within their states. And this was an issue that kind of nobody had ever thought about or fought over, you know, it was essentially just kind of a given that, you know, a, a city could set its own minimum wage if they wanted to. It wasn't something people thought about or aware of that much. And um, so these laws uh, really started, and so the minimum wage one in particular, Louisiana was the first state to enact this uh, state ban on local controlled minimum wage. It was a Steve Scalise bill back when he was in uh, the House. And um, since then, uh, there were another state, Colorado did it in 1999, a couple more did it in the 2000s, but it's really been over the past six to eight years, another 20 states have enacted this ban. And if you look at the legislation... Are, the, are these all like promoted by ALEC now at this So point? yeah, that if you look at the legislation, these are all, it's essentially copy and paste uh, legislation. As somebody who works on writing bills, I don't necessarily say that copy and paste is always a bad thing. It's hard to write something from scratch. But I mean, when you look at these bills, these preemption yeah, bills no, no, in particular, no, no. I mean, it is just, you know, fill in the blank take, of your take state. Take out Arkansas, put in Louisiana. Put in Louisiana, exactly. And um, so... You know, why do we do it? Uh, there's a variety of reasons. The The most obvious, because this is kind of an ALEC bill, is that it is something that uh, puts power in the hands of the vested interests, right? If It's a lot easier for many of the uh, members of ALEC or, you know, other business lobbying. I don't want to just, you know... It's easy to demonize Alec. Very, very, very easy to very demonize easy. Alec. It's a very but it's low not bar. just Alec, right? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's always, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes sure. behind that. But um, yeah, it gives a chance to, you know, it's a lot easier to control the economy uh, of a state from the state capital, especially if you have the money and the resources to invest in lobbying, to invest in, you know, supporting candidates who are, you know, support your agenda. Um, whereas it's a lot harder to be in every municipality and trying to strike down, you know, laws that don't work for your business that you don't like. Um, and that's why that power has been centralized. I would also add that, um, you know, we are in Louisiana, we are in the deep South. We have, you can't separate these kinds of things from our history of racism. And when you look at a state that, like you said, we talk about local this, local that, freedom and, you know, no government uh, overreach, all these kinds of things. Well, the actual structure of Louisiana's political system is incredibly top down, very heavy handed. Um, A lot of power is uh, centralized in Baton Rouge, not just for minimum wage and family leave. We're talking about, uh, you know, things like if, you know. New Iberia wants to have an economic development district. You know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of these different things that have to run through the state. Part of that goes back um, to Huey Long wanting to kind of run all the money in the state through bat- through himself and his cronies. That's kind of like the modern legal basis for some of that. But really, when you look at the broader framework, it is the plantation set up. There's the, you know, in this case, the uh, plantation home is Baton Rouge. And the rest of us are, you know, out working the fields in a sense. And, and I know that that's a very inflammatory way of putting things. Um, but I think it's important. I, to, <laughs> I mean, it could be, you know, certain pe- some people might view it that way. I don't, you know, obviously that's I said it, but you know what I mean? Um, I think that it, it's important to, to make that parallel because that really is in a lot of ways how the power structure works in this state. And the plantation owners in this case are the sort of the business lobbyists who are 
behind a lot of what goes on in the state capitol. And I guess that's an important point as well because, uh, and I know we're slightly shifting the conversation, and I do want to kind of come back, but just you, you mentioned business lobbyists, and I just think it's important just to acknowledge that that is an a, a unnecessary evil that exists. You know, in our previous show, we were just talking about, uh, we mentioned HR uh, 1, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, House Resolution uh, Bill 1, which was really an anti-corruption bill. And in that, there was conversation about lobbying and how to deal with lobbyists because it's the lobbyists that are the true power brokers, Absolutely. you know, in, in, in any entity. And we're talking about large, 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 sometimes multinational, sometimes foreign mm-hmm. uh, c- corporations with unlimited amount of money uh, that are able to send people down and, and, and are able to pay for access to the folks that are ultimately going to sign, write the bill, sign the bill, and then push that bill uh, through a system. And so uh, I just just wanted to acknowledge that that is just a really horrific. And, and, and I imagine that something, I know we're going to get to 422 in a second, but I imagine it had probably the restaurants. I don't know what what the bill, what the lobby. I bet you a lot of lobbyists were. Yeah, we <laughs> we didn't make a lot of friends with yeah. the business lobby in uh, in Baton Rouge when we went. Right. And, and that's I also uh, to get back to four twenty two on this. I want to give a lot of credit to Representative Duplessis. This was not an easy bill to bring. There are a lot of legislators. They get elected. They think they look for kind of you know easy legislation to get involved in. Let's rename a highway after a local hero. Sure. And you know, and it's in, and it's a now soft seat. Listen, I, I will say this: uh, Royce came here, and uh, before he became a uh, when he was running, and then he came here once or twice after he won. And I will say this: man, he has been so incredibly consistent. And Absolutely. his first bill was his first bill out of the gate, or uh, I think he had. I'm not. I can't remember. I think you know because he started last year. He started last year. He yeah. took over Helena over uh, Helena Moreno's seat right. when she moved to when the she moved city to the council. council. Right. Um, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if it was technically his first bill, but I mean, this was, uh, you know, this was a big he, one. This he came a, out of the he gate, came out of the gate swinging. Right? He wasn't, right. he wasn't looking to sit at the back bench right. and, you know, just kind of let things be the way they've been. And, you know, this wasn't like, uh, our co the, so we're part of the unleashed local coalition. Right, that right, is, right. um, the, the grassroots, uh, organizing that we're doing around the state. We have unleashed local as a statewide, uh, grassroots organization. We have local chapters, unleash New Orleans, unleash Shreveport, unleash Baton and, Rouge. And unleashes is, is it, that's verbiage that's used to speak directly to preemption laws. Yeah. To, in, in, in particular to this. So right now, unleashed local is driving support for House Bill 422, uh, all across the state in communities all across the state from the largest cities to you know uh, i was out in hammond on sunday talking to an organization there um we were in the river parishes on friday night so this isn't also just like some you know commies in new orleans you know throwing their hands up i mean this is all over the state this is people from across the political spectrum i mean we kind of talk about it does break down sometimes by party lines but when you talk to folks so for instance the louisiana survey just came out two weeks ago 81% 81% of the state wants to raise the minimum wage. Yeah. it's They did not poll on the question, do you think that cities and munis- uh, parishes should have the uh, control over that? But I would think that since that is you know, a traditionally conservative approach, that if you were to have asked people, you know, even if you don't support the minimum wage, do you think that cities and municipalities should have that right? You would find that even those people who don't support raising the minimum wage would at least think that's right. So we're talking about an overwhelming percentage of the people in the state who want to see movement on this. So you have to always ask, why is that not happening? 
who do these legislators who are blocking this kind of legislation, who are they representing? Right. Who, and that's well, where who we are, get back. Right, to lobbyists. And, yeah. But who are they representing? Well, they're representing the 81% of the state that says to increase the minimum wage. But, of course, 95% of, of, of America would like to see better gun laws. We'll never see that, right? right. We're never going to see that. And that really speaks to an ill. Well, I, uh, Maybe, I don't know about I, never. Let's, 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 yeah. But, yes, it's, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a tough climb. We'll right. Say. I mean, 95%. I mean, I you know. should be able to get, you can't get 95% of people to agree that that's a blue picture on the wall, right? I mean, the it, it, it is, it's unfortunate that, that, and this gets back to what we were saying about lobbyists. I mean, yeah. the, the blocking happens at lobbyists, and, and this speaks to something that I'm particularly passionate about, which is we have to get money out of politics. Yeah. Like, and that is such a, and before you, yeah, just yeah. real quick, we have to get money out of politics, and, and, uh, and I have to actually do a station ID. Oh, so if sure, you're tuned in, you are listening to 22.3 LP FM. You are listening to Resistance Radio, and you're hearing a lot of my voice. Oh, it's so nice to be able to talk, because Kenny Francis is not <laughs> here. And Kenny. I miss Kenny. <laughs> I, you know, whatever Mark's saying about you, Kenny, I miss him. <laughs> Kenny Francis is not here. Kenny is actually away on a well deserved uh, break. Uh, so it's a pleasure to actually have uh, with me today uh, Peter Robbins-Brown, who is the Communications Director for the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. And more information about them can be found at powercoalition.org. And we are waiting uh, to hear from also Royce Duplessis, who is uh, holds the seat for District 93. I know he last time he just texted me, he oh, he said he just tried calling. Oh, oh that was, oh, you know, that's my we, fault. Here we go. All okay, right. We so. may be able to get, uh, we may be able to get Royce... On air, hang on. Let me so just let me know. Skip that. And while we're getting that figured out, to the point you were making, um, yes, about yeah, you go ahead and call him. Um, the point you were making about you know getting money out of politics. Um, so here we yeah, go. Let's let see me see if. We, you, hey, Royce, it's Peter. Are, hold on, are you plugged in? Yeah, I am. Oh, and get it off the. Oh, off sorry. The okay, let's try. Hey, Royce, right. can you hear us? Yes. All right. Royce, it's great. Royce, Royce Duplessis, uh, again, it's such a pleasure to have a friend of uh, WHIV and friend of the show, uh, Royce Duplessis, who holds this seat for District 93. Uh, it's such a pleasure you're calling into us from Baton Rouge. Oh, thank you all for having me. I uh, wish I could have been there in, in studio, but um, we're uh, still taking votes up here. At least we just, we just wrapped up, rather, so uh, still up here at the Capitol trying to get it done so thank y'all for having me yep the the uh the, i didn't get a chance to share with you so just uh, a little behind the scenes here uh, peter and i are going to just be sharing a microphone so we'll be swinging the microphone a bit back and forth to one another as okay. as 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 we talk uh so royce did you we were just getting started to, to describe uh the uh 422 bill 422 and maybe what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of step aside and let you uh describe to us uh kind of you know first i'd love to hear how you how you've decided to to start to write this bill this is is this your first bill that you've introduced it's one of my first so uh you know i I filed a couple of different bills all for this session so it does count as as one of my first but it's it's my first major major bill yeah we were peter and i were just saying that you know when you uh stepped up to the the plate uh you really uh you 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 really were swinging for the fences and and i and i pre- <laughs> and i appreciate that so do you want to yeah. describe 422 sure sure so essentially 422 what it what it does is 
many may not know this. I just kind of want to start with some background information on Louisiana law currently. Louisiana is currently one of five states in the country that does not have its own minimum wage. We essentially follow the federal guideline, the federal law, which hasn't been changed in over a decade. We follow the federal minimum wage of 725. So not only do we have, not only do we not have uh, a minimum wage law, we also have what's referred to as a preemption law. And preemption essentially means that the state of Louisiana has explicitly, through law, they prevent and disallow cities, parishes, municipalities from being able to set their own minimum wage. So unlike the federal government, whereby they don't they haven't acted in over 10 years, but if states want to raise a higher minimum wage, they're they're entitled to do that. The state of Louisiana has pretty much done the opposite. They haven't set a minimum wage and they've gone so far as to say, I should say we have said that cities, you can't set your own minimum wage if if you think that's in the best interest of your local economy. So I think anybody, um, any honest person will agree that no one can live off 725 an hour and we can get off into the, the I guess, the economic discussion around what would be a, a suitable wage. But starting there, just starting at the point of 725 not being uh, uh, enough for any working person to live off. We're not talking about people who are just not working. We're talking about people who get up every day, go to work. 40, 50, 60 hours a week, sometimes 80 hours a week, and still can't survive because the cost of living has gone up. That concerns me. It's one of the reasons why I chose to offer myself up for public service is to help working individuals, working families, just to just to have a fair chance. And if you're making 725, you don't have a fair chance. So the governor has pushed, as you know, for the past three years to increase the minimum wage modestly and that that effort which i support by the way um has not gotten any traction so i thought that coming in this would be a good alternative bill to propose to members of the legislature that says if you aren't willing to increase beyond 725 why not give local governments the ability to make that determination themselves you know, and I made that, I, I chose this for, for several, I think that's a good policy for several reasons. Because number one, I do believe fundamentally that local does, know, local knows best when it comes to their local economy and the nuances that uh, are unique to cities and parishes and municipalities. We all know that the cost of living varies from city to city. It varies from state to state. So uh, why should we be limited by some blanket law that says that if you want to increase wages and your economy can absorb it, why would we limit ourselves that way? So again, I just think it's sort of fundamental starting just at that point of how we set up government. Why why would the state government get in the way of local government being able to decide what's in the best interest? And that's oftentimes uh, 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 touted as a conservative principle. So I, I just, and, and it's one that I, that, I, that I tend to agree with because my bill does not, it's not mandatory. It's not uh, restrictive about it. It's permissive. It just, it, it, it says that cities can if they so choose to. So it's really just about giving, 
you know, giving cities and, and ultimately working people uh, a fair shot. So I don't want to um, ramble on. I feel like I've been rambling on. Yeah, I just want to also add uh, to Representative Duplessis' point. You know, when the uh, when the opponents of raising the statewide minimum wage oppose it at the Capitol, they say, "Oh, you can't just set one." Ar-, and they always use the word "arbitrary," which doesn't make sense anyway. But they would say you can't set one arbitrary standard for the entire state. And we said, "Okay, you're you know that's a good point. Uh, let's not set one arbitrary standard for the whole state." which actually we kind of do right now by saying that no city or parish can set their own. So let's open it up. Let's not have one arbitrary standard for the whole state. Let's let different people, different communities decide what works for their community. And now they say, oh, no, no, we can't, we can't do that either. So really, you know, the, the, the sort of blatant hypocrisy uh, of it is, is, it's unfortunate, we'll say. Sorry, sorry, Royce. Uh, yeah, any, any thoughts about that or, or uh, to Peter's yeah, point? Yeah, well, much of uh, – yeah, I, I want to follow up with, with Peter's point. Uh, much of what, I, what I'm hearing in opposition is that we want to have a market that's predictable for businesses that may have – you know, that, that may exist in more than one city. And uh, I, I don't know that I fully understand that argument – because you have businesses that operate in multiple states and just like the cost of living varies from city to city, um, local sales taxes vary from city to city. So I don't see why this would be, why this should be any different. And if you have a multi-parish or multi-city business that you run, I think you are suited to be able to make adjustments based on that local economy to be able to um, pay differently if if that parish so so desired i think this is a this is an opportunity for the market to truly decide i I think right now we're not in a position with the current law where we're letting letting the market decide i think that if my bill were to pass again it's it's permissive so just like a, a local government can say we want to increase it a local government can also make the assessment, do the studies, go through its own process and make the determination that they don't want to increase it. But that's up to that local government to decide. We all know that the majority of the citizens of Louisiana are in favor of raising the minimum wage. So I don't think there's anyone who would argue that. But the, the question on what dollar amount it should be, what should be up to the locals to decide? Because one community, one city, their economy may be able to absorb a higher minimum wage than, say, another community. So that is, again, all in the spirit of this. So I I don't fully, again, I don't fully understand the the argument or the pushback that we need a a predictable climate. I just, um, I would would agree with Peter by saying that it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I I mean, I think that the, what you guys did was craft such a clever bill that you pushed folks into a corner you utilizing a lot of the arguments that I think the arguments you're that they would ordinarily utilize and so the pushback that you're getting I think is you know is now starting to get into the absurd in terms Correct. of excuses I mean the the example that that they usually give is if a chain of restaurants that exist in New Orleans but then if New Orleans were to increase their minimum wage let's say 13 or 14 bucks an hour and that a local chain here would have to operate quote unquote differently than a local chain somewhere else. Well, oftentimes these are businesses that are owned by different people. They're operating under the same name. 
you know, and right. uh, and it certainly doesn't speak to you know. I'm thinking of like the large chain restaurants or whatever, but uh, they're they're more locally controlled. But the it also doesn't speak to uh, the fact that the first thing that they that the representatives or the 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 opposition that you're getting speak directly to quote unquote markets and business also mm-hmm. is indicative of kind of where the allegiances lie rather than to the state of Louisiana. And Peter was just talking about the poll that I'm sure you're aware of that 81 percent of uh, Louisianans that were just surveyed two weeks ago all showed support for an increased minimum wage by 81 percent. Right, right. I think you hit the nail on the head. And you know, I think the other thing that's that is um difficult is when you have this conversation there is a level of sensitivity and concern around hurting businesses which no one wants to hurt businesses although that's how you get labeled you never this conversation never seems to get to the 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 part around people and families and you know they don't seem to get that same level of sensitivity and, and and concern and my, my my thinking is well why why are we doing this you know what, what I mean you, people work in these businesses and you know why don't we go through the same efforts to try to protect predictability for people to be able to pay their rent or to be able to take care of their kids and you know why 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 don't those same arguments get made so that that's one of the things that I think is unfortunate because we have we live in a climate whereby employees getting paid more is not viewed as a as a good thing unfortunately uh it, it seems to it's automatically labeled as well businesses are going to be harmed and therefore um you know that, that that's a bad it's going to be a job killer i haven't seen any data to suggest that to be the case in fact i i, I challenge that notion because i believe that if individuals workers are paid a living wage they will naturally become better employees you're going to create a sense of loyalty people are going to show up to work on time they're going to do a better job you're going to have better productivity and and as a, as a result you're going to have a better business when you don't pay people uh, in a in a way where they have to or in a way where they have to work two and three jobs nine times out of ten they're not going to stay at that job very long so why don't we talk why are we not talking about the costs that businesses incur as a result of having to train and rehire new employees constantly why don't we talk about the costs that we as a community have to absorb when people have to work two and three jobs so that means that their children are not being tended to in the evening so they're not being helped with homework or uh, they're not being monitored at the playground because their parents are not involved because they're working these multiple jobs because you can't work one job and uh, off 725 there's a cost associated with that and it may not be as direct and as upfront that where we can measure it in first, second, third quarter returns, but there's a cost. And I, I wish that – and I'm trying to have that conversation around the broader cost of paying us a, a low wage. This is – I believe it, it makes good business sense, and I believe that when folks have more money in their pockets, they will then put that money back into the economy. The same way that we give tax breaks to uh, to companies but with, with the idea that – Yes, that's less money that we're taking in at, at the government level, but but the idea is that that money is then going to flow back into the economy. Well, what's the difference about workers being able to 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 make more? That money is going to go back into the economy. So the same. So as the as the cost of a hamburger has to go up because it's going up regardless. If the cost of a burger has to go up, more people are going to be able to buy that burger. So 
that is, you know, if, if they're being paid a living wage. So, you know, I think their their public health effects, uh, negative public health impacts related to people not making a living wage and, and so many other costs associated with it. But it's unfortunate that we, we never seem to get to that part of the conversation. Well, you know, to a large degree, I think that the the reason is, is and, and, and I'm going to say something that uh, – that uh, um, that I think is is quite truthful, but I think it's being used as a tool of oppression, and and that's that 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 I think is because you're yeah. making you're making you're making all these very very logical points, and uh, the only way that I can look at that and 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 the only conclusion I come to over and over again, and especially after hearing you make you know these very eloquent and very sound arguments, is that well. It, 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 if you go in this one direction and everything is going to be positive, but if you go in that direction, everything is going to be negative and the, the system still seems to be favoring that negative outcome, well, then it has to be because it's being used as a tool of oppression. I, I just don't see any other logical – Yeah, uh, l- logical. yeah I, I, and, and I really – I hate to uh, – I hate to make such a suggestion as well, but I think you know there's some truth in that. Based on some of the conversations with folks that I've had, uh, others have also said that some have said suggested that, well, we have to keep these low paying jobs for a certain population. Right. So. 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 So it's like people coming out of home from jail. They'll say they'll say that uh, it's for young people. Basically, we have to keep this because if you know, basically, we have to be able to keep this pocket of jobs for uh you know, whatever group there might be. But I but I, I think I think you're right. And I think that's the belief of many. Many folks won't come right out and just say it, but I think there's there's some truth there that basically we have to keep this uh this 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 pocket of low paying jobs. And I don't know if that's just with the intent just to keep a permanent underclass, but essentially not everybody can share in the wealth basically, you know. That's un- really unfortunate. Yeah, it's heartbreakingly unfortunate. Yeah. Um, if, <laughs> if if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Resist- Resistance Radio. Kenny Francis is away on vacation, so this is uh, just me flying solo, Mark Allendary. I have with me in the studio Peter uh, Robbins-Brown, who is the communi- Communications Director for Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. And on the phone, we have calling in from Baton Rouge, uh, Representative Royce Duplessis, who holds the seat for District 93, and we're talking about uh, both with Peter and Royce uh, the uh, House bill. It was HB or HR? HB uh, 422, which was a Representative Duplessis' uh, uh, attempt at uh, helping to kind of roll back some of the preemption laws that exist with respect to uh, New Orleans. Um, Royce, uh, can you talk to us about what happened after uh, uh, you introduced the bill? Maybe kind of, I don't know how much time you have, and so when you need to go, Royce, let us know, and we'll be able to pick up the rest of the show. But while we have you, um, can you quickly explain to us what happened with respect to what when you introduced the bill to the floor or to the sure. uh, to the committee? Sure, sure. No, I, you, you, you had it right. So we are in what's called a special, uh, we, not a special, but a fiscal session because it's uh, the way the Constitution is written, that it, odd number of years are referred to as fiscal sessions. So if so, each legislator is allowed five general bills, non-fiscal bills. You can file as many fiscal bills, revenue-related uh, bills, uh, tax-related bills as you as you like. 
but for non-fiscal general bills, they have to be what's called pre-filed. So this was one of my five that I chose that I pre-filed. And on day one, the bills have to be what's referred, what's called uh, read in. So uh, all the bills, you're talking 500 plus bills that were filed by all members were being read in. And um, as far as I could tell, of the five, so when they're being read in, they're also referred referred to committee. Once the bill, when I pre-filed the bill, it was what's called provisionally referred. So the clerk, and I don't want to get too technical, <laughs> but 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 there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, maneuvering and gamesmanship that that takes place around house rules and procedure. And I'm just trying to give y'all a, a clear breakdown of what happened. So once I filed the bill the clerk of the house provisionally referred it to the uh, municipal committee. And um, I think that was the right committee because essentially this is a bill that deals with municipal and local affairs because it's talking about the powers of local government, right? Um, doesn't really matter the subject, in my, it, but I think, it's a, I think that was the proper referral. Apparently some of my colleagues disagreed. So once the clerk makes what's known as a provisional referral, then the Speaker of the House has the final say on the committee in which it goes to. So on day one, when the bills are being read in and referred to committee, members, other members can challenge it and, and, and take a vote that it be sent to another committee. And that's what happened. Uh, my bill, out of all the 500 plus bills that were read in, I don't think any other bills were challenged on, on that day to be sent to another committee, to, to be referred to another committee. So basically, uh, we had a, uh, a, a lockout vote on day one for my bill to be referred away from municipal in, into the committee on labor. And uh, unfortunately, that was done because we, we did not have the votes to um, – to, to win that day on the floor, it was sent to labor with the intent that that's that's the that's the committee where uh, you know the the votes are stacked in a way where people are not favorable or friendly towards what I'm what I'm pushing around a minimum wage. So uh, that that's what was done. So it was a, a big blow procedurally, but you know it, it's you know we, we're still in it and we're still gonna fight and uh, we're gonna present this thing in committee. In a, in a couple of weeks and we're going we're going to state our reasons why we think this is the right thing to do but um but those are some of the things that take place at the capitol every day right i mean that that gamemanship that that you described it, it 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 seems like there's so many moving parts and that was an early moving part that day the, one yeah, that yeah we may have been like three hours in yeah yeah so, you know after all of the uh the the, the handshakes and hugs and then we, <laughs> it, it was it was right back to uh to business as usual is it am I being overly optimistic to assume then that that the fact that it was read the way it was and then immediately assigned to labor, which is I, I'll be you know a little bit more blunt. That's where bills you know like this oftentimes yeah, go. Yeah, it's, 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 it's known as a, a committee where bills are, go, are known to die. Right. So yeah. it, 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 am I being overly optimistic? Uh, and certainly I have been accused of being that uh, it, to look at this from the perspective of whoa, this bill kind of shook them up a little bit no i think you're absolutely right um the fact you know i i know we have a good bill for that very reason and i know peter if he hasn't already is going to talk a lot about unleash local but you know they have have been raising a great level of awareness around this bill but you know i i 
some folks from some folks who oppose this bill may try to dismiss it as being, um, you know, that they that it, that it's over. But this fight is far from over. And um, the fact that all of that went into trying to get my bill redirected shows that we have a good piece of legislation that um, that that that. that some people, I should not all, but some people are very concerned about. I don't think they should be as concerned. I think this <laughs> this bill actually makes a lot of sense, but um, but I think it is it, it is a good bill. Uh, but I agree with your point. I agree with your observation. And then you know, I I will say that that Senator J P Morrell, uh, who's appeared on air a few times as well, often reminds uh, reminds our listeners and and myself and Kenny that um, you know it takes you know one time to pass a bad bill, but takes five times to pass a good bill. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure so that's probably you, you something. Gotta be, you got you got to stay encouraged. Uh, because, you know, being, you know, when you don't have the, the, the votes and, you know, Peter knows this being up here regularly, whether you're in committee or whether you're on the floor, um, you know, it, it's it's, you know, nothing's easy about trying to get good, good, good legislation passed. So that's uh, unfortunately the nature of it. So you have to be committed beyond just that initial attempt. So the, it goes to committee uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm sure you're going to probably be bringing some folks uh, down there to Baton Rouge to uh, to speak on behalf of it. Um, I would definitely love to uh, kind of circle back around uh, to see kind of how that went. And let me just before we we sign off, uh, uh, Representative DePlessis, can you maybe share with us a, a bill or two that you're either following or that you've written, and maybe kind of track its trajectory, something that falls in line with some of the things that we focus on here on WHIV, social justice sort of things? Sure, sure. You're talking about other bills that I'm working on? Either other bills that you're working on or other bills that you, you're seeing other folks work on. What, something, Definitely. you know, like something yeah, exciting? No, or... We got a ton, yeah. I think there's one to really pay attention to. Uh, Representative Ted James from Baton Rouge, he filed a good one. I'm sure we all y'all have talked up and down about uh, – the unanimous juries bill that yep. Senator Morrell was successful in getting done. And we, as a state saw fit that there was the right thing to pass that he has introduced legislation that would restore the right for individuals who have a felony conviction to serve on juries, which is um, an important piece as well, because just like participating in the voting processes is, 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 is crucial. So is serving on juries. So, um, that that's a that's a, a I think a good bill. Um, I'm trying to think about some others that that are out there. Gosh, there's so so many. Um, How about anything that you're working on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I filed another bill that deals with um, law enforcement data collection. So, in 2001, uh, Cedric Richmond, at representative at the time, passed a bill to require law enforcement agencies to turn to to collect and turn over certain data with respect to uh, traffic stops or pedestrian stops or no-knock warrants and certain uh, times where there was use of force. And at the time, it was viewed as a racial profiling bill or to, to stop racial profiling. And unfortunately, in order to get that bill passed, they an amendment was put on it that's a, that where local law enforcement agencies could not have to comply with that requirement to to turn over data if they simply adopted a policy huh 
Sorry, no, you heard me through the phone. I was just telling, I was just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Representative, uh, to places. I was just kind of, uh, telling Peter that's when they like local. That's when local control always is right, something, right. Exactly. you know, exactly. something like yeah. that. They're like, yes, we want local, you know, if it's, yeah, oh, yeah. increasing oh, minimum yeah, wage no, or no, 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 no local. No, no doubt about anyway, it. Anyway, please continue. But basically, if they adopted a policy that says we don't discriminate, then, I mean, a simple policy just said we don't discriminate. Uh, we don't racially profile, then they could be exempted from having to collect that data. Well, no one has complied, and the report was done several weeks ago, really several months ago, by the Southern Poverty Law Center, showing the lack of data and how it's it's a problem from a policing standpoint because we really don't know we really don't know anything. And so this is a um, a bill about transparency, a bill to to reduce liability for law enforcement, and it is not an attempt to try to shame or embarrass um, any any law enforcement agencies. But it's just really about an attempt just for transparency and to collect data, which which we all need and which we all deserve. So um, we're working with law enforcement right now to get to get to get something worked out around just more transparency and in more data around police stops, and we want to. We want to observe trends if there are any, because right now we just don't know. Uh, that's a, that's another big bill that I'm that's working on. That's a huge on. So, bill. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. What's the number on that one? If we wanted to follow it, um, that is five hundred six, I believe. I believe it's House Bill five hundred six. Five hundred six. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Representative Duplessis, who uh, is My pleasure. Uh, dis- District ninety three. You can get more information uh, about Representative Duplessis uh, by visiting his website, which is Royce Duplessis. Dot, I think it's dot com, right? I think I, yeah, it's yeah. Dot com. I need to, you know, I need to. I'm working on improving it. <laughs> so kind of hard right now because I'm in session. <laughs> it needs to be updated a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, I'm definitely working to improve my website to make it to put more information on it. But I try to stay as active as I can on social media to provide updates. But you know, I'm I'm you know, like if you ever want to reach me, you know, you can certainly catch me on social media. But um, you can always call my office too five zero four five six eight twenty seven forty. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you guys over at WHIV. And I appreciate the work that you all are doing, the advocates that you all are. And my hope is that Peter can talk a little bit more about Unleash Local and what they're doing, because that is a crucial component to making this happen, organizing and, and, and creating awareness. You know, these things just don't happen purely by legislation. You know, you have to think on all fronts and um, their, their organizing efforts around the state are going to be crucial to making this happen. Thank you so much, Representative Duplessis. We're going to right. actually start that conversation right now with him. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you all much. so much. I appreciate you. Right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, if you're tuned in, you're listening to 102.3 WHIVLP. This is Resistance Radio. Uh, my name is Mark Allendary. Kenny Francis is out on a well-deserved vacation. I am flying solo. Thank you so much to Royce Duplessis, a Representative Royce Duplessis, who is, uh, holds a seat for District 93, as he went into uh, detail about his uh, bill, uh, HR, uh, HB, uh, HB 422. Uh, and with us still is uh, Peter uh, Robbins-Brown, who is the Communications Director for Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. And more information about them can be found at powercoalition.org. Um, was there anything that – I know he – there was a, was a deep dive that we just did. Was there anything there that you wanted to kind of add to it before we moved over to Unleash? Uh you know, I just think he, Representative DuPlessis, as always, made a really great case for the bill. Uh, you know, I, I really love when we talk about 
you know, we can talk about there's a lot of data to show that raising the minimum wage is a good thing. Um, we can talk about the business case. I think it's good for business. You're talking about putting more money into the community. When you look at who is actually paying minimum wage or near minimum wage, you're talking about giant national and multinational corporations for the most part. Um, it's not small locally owned businesses. Small locally owned businesses operate in their community. They know what a living wage is. They want to keep their employees. They want. They know that they want people spending money in the local economy. So really what we're talking about is Giant national, multinational corporations, they extract as much, they don't care about the community. They extract as much profit as they can out of the community. They take the money out of the community, out of the state, sometimes out of the country. Um, and so that, that money is just being pulled out of this community. Whereas uh, this bill, 422, would actually give local governments the opportunity to sort of protect local businesses from that sort of extraction uh, economy that is so prevalent in Louisiana, especially, but really across the country and across the world in a lot of ways. So I think that's just, you know, that's an important point to make is that really this bill is good for local businesses. Sure. You know, if you're a small business owner, you should be on board with this because right. you're probably already paying a living wage. Right, right. Um, it's hard to compete, though, with dollar stores and, you know, giant fast food chains and, you know, businesses of that ilk. Um, but I think Representative Duplessis, like I said, has always made an amazing case for it. Um, you know, I, I and, and then at the end, you know, turn to the Unleash Local, and that is a statewide. You can learn more at unleashlocal.org. Um, we have local chapters set up across the state. So, you know, if you're uh, here in New Orleans, join, uh, go to the website and find out how to join uh, Unleash New Orleans, or you know, email us at info at unleashlocal.org. Um, if you're in Jefferson Parish, we've got a Jefferson Parish uh, chapter started up. We've got Baton Rouge. We've got Alexandria. We've got Shreveport. We've got Monroe. We've got Lafayette. We've got Lake Charles. Again, this is across the state, grassroots, people demanding this. Um, you know, believe me, I don't like leaving New Orleans that much, although I go to Baton Rouge. So it wasn't <laughs> me going out across the state and saying to people, you should be for this. It was, uh, you know, a set of organizers who worked previously all over the state going into communities. And again, just like we do at the Power Coalition, listening to what people said. People said, this is what we want. You see it again reflected in the Louisiana survey, 81% in favor of raising the minimum wage. Um, this wasn't, you know, just us deciding, oh, this is a good issue. It was what the people demanded. And so when you talk about building a grassroots movement, uh, like we're doing with Unleash Local, um, that again, that has to come from something. You can't dictate that to people. And I think that's why we've managed to have uh, such great energy so far. We're getting a ton of earned media, you know, press, uh, local press, statewide press. Um, because they're seeing we're doing local launches, we've gotten local resolutions passed. The New Orleans City Council passed a resolution in favor of House Bill 422. I think seven, seven to, nothing. to zero, yep. and then the Shreveport, mayor got same thing. It yeah, the mayor's well. behind it. Same thing happened in Shreveport. So we're talking in the southeast corner of the state and the northwest corner of the state, right. where the city councils unanimously passed a resolution in favor of it. Uh, we've got Alexandria coming up on Tuesday. Um, the so city council, city to, council voting on a resolution to uh, support uh, House Bill 422 as well. So we're getting these local resolutions passed. Um, and this is, you know, the, I, the thing that I like to say is, you know, we were just talking about the sort of the mechanics in the legislature and how the bill got referred into this kind of hostile committee. And, you know, we're going to have that fight and we're going to have that discussion in that committee. Regardless of what happens with this bill this year, this is not meant to be a grassroots movement to support one bill in one legislative session. This is part of a statewide movement uh, to take this kind of heavy-handed, top-down structure that we have in this state and flip it on its head. Uh, this is about building people power, 
to say that we've had enough of being last in healthcare, last in education, last in infrastructure, last in public safety. Uh, we've had enough of being the second highest poverty rate in the country, the highest child poverty rate in the country, that we can't, and we can't keep going with these policies uh, and expect things to change. You know, it's the old uh, saw about you know, uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, what we keep doing in this state is giving the treasury away to the largest businesses to come in and extract our resources, both our people resources and our natural resources, and take that money away from us. Uh, not reinvested in the community. And then we just keep hoping things are going to change. And we've been doing it forever, basically. Um, so, you know, this is something where hopefully you support House Bill 422. Hopefully you support raising the minimum wage. But if you support changing the political structure of this state, this is where you want to get involved. Because we are, whatever happens in the legislature, we're going to keep fighting this fight through the end of the legislative session. And then hopefully I'll get to take a, a short vacation. Uh, <laughs> all of us will, you know, well-deserved. And, and then we're going to pick it right back up. And we've got statewide elections coming up this year. Uh, there's going to be huge turnover in the legislature because term limits, which started in 2008 and 12-year term limits. So we've got a lot of legislators who are term limited out. Or then you just have your usual state rep runs for a state senator, state senate seat, or you know all these different you know people just decide to retire, whatever it is. Um, so we're talking about an opportunity this issue right here, this needs to be on the ballot. It's not even about, you know, one of the problems that I think we've had in the progressive movement is we get excited about candidates, whereas the, our opponents have an agenda. And they don't care what face is on front is on Obviously, that agenda. Obviously, we've, se- we've yeah. seen that. Yeah, they don't care <laughs> very what good face point. is on the agenda. They're voting for a right. set of issues that they refuse to move off of. Don't they say that Democrats fall in love with their leaders and uh, Republicans fall in line? Yeah, And I think that's exactly it. And so we need as people to say, these are our issues. This is what's important to you. And unless you're on board with these and you're not just on board, like, yeah, I'm in favor, but like, yeah, I'm ready to fight for this. Then we don't want to have anything to do with you. And the, and the people who are these, you know, these opponents of ours who are beholden to a small minority uh, of, you know, interest groups, special interest groups, we need to be able to hold them accountable as well. And so this is something that, you know, it's not just about this legislative session. It's not just about this upcoming, uh, the upcoming elections, statewide elections. It's about next legislative session. And, you know, just going on and on and on. This is a long-term movement that we are trying to build from the ground up. Right. So to a large degree, it's really trying to get to a socially just society. Absolutely. Right. And And economically just, racially just environmentally just so social economic environmental racial justice yeah and uh, unleash local is basically the one of the vehicles to to get to that absolutely i hope that we're able to flip those seats man so you right before we got on air you said that we had uh how many what was the, some at, of the numbers so you know i think that um there are uh, there are, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, seats that, you know, and I mean, uh, we are sort of a policy advocacy organization and don't closely yes, track, I got, totally you know, understand. um, yep, 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 but yep, you know, I, there, you. I think there are a lot of seats out there. Um, I think when you look at where the population centers in this state are and where they're increasingly moving, we're talking about the suburbs of the major cities. Right. Um, so we're talking about, uh, Jefferson parish. We're talking about St. Tammany parish. But let me, let me ask you this. Then. Let me rephrase yeah. the question in a, in a way that's probably maybe the be- better way for me sure. to have asked it. Which is this? Let's say we get let's say we get folks turned over, seats mm-hmm. get flipped or turned over. Sure. These are still the, now. This is the pessimist part of me coming mm-hmm. out, right? It we're putting new people, new faces, new names into the seats, but we're putting them in a system that has bred this that has 
you know, the ingredients are different, but the the outcome is always the same. Sure. So I, do, does that make sense? And, and yeah, and, and I think that the only way it changes is if we all are. I mean, I, I know agree. that's like this, like yes. this, you know, kind of like cheesy. You no, know, I, I hear thing, you. That's like, fine. We it's say it on really the like the all only the time. way to do it you is go if vote. we got to, you know, and it, you got to go vote and, and just pay attention. And look, I'm not somebody who's always super politically involved. I definitely went through my period where I was like. I'm just going to cast a ballot or, you know, I definitely didn't, I wasn't at every election. I just hope everything works out. Right. And and we're in a time where we just can't afford to do that. Right yeah, no, now. society can, you know, I, I, listen, I look to, uh, um, uh, what is it with the, um, Handmaid's Tale? Mm-hmm. Like that can happen. Did you see the, have you seen I, it? I know of it. I didn't see it, but yeah, I know the story. Right. Yeah. I mean, it like literally in the, the story takes place in like, you know, it could be 2019, mm-hmm. but America just overnight became a dictatorship and yeah. ruled by a religious order of zealots and, and dictators that was a very uh, patriarchal-based mm-hmm. system, uh, and, of course, The Handmaid's Tale. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I, I could see, like, it, they, they made it very realistic, like, people walking around with iPhones, you know, mm-hmm. like, people driving, like, things that are so realistic that uh, it, it's um, it's very scary, and I agree with you. This is, I mean, now more than I mean, usually one of these announcements will say something like, "Now more than ever, mm-hmm. we need progressive media," or uh, because I think that there is this palpable sense of how. I mean, look at look who's in the White House. In one term, less than one term, he's changed so many norms. I mean, just listen. I was no fan of the uh, what is it the. Um, when all the, the 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 media, the journalists in the White House, the correspondence dinner. Mm-hmm. I was never a fan of the correspondence dinner, but I pay attention to the news and politics. Mm-hmm. So I'd always, and I thought last year Michelle Wolf's monologue yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. But did you know the correspondence dinner was this past weekend? No, no. But Be- I, yeah, I know that. They, yeah, <laughs> because that's... they completely like he was like, I am done with this, mm-hmm. and and he. That's a just a small example of all of these new norms. When he went after McCain and said, "I don't mm-hmm. like," I, you know, I'm no pff, no right. fan of yeah, John McCain yeah. whatsoever. Sure. Right, dude is not. My worldview is very different from his, right? But you know, the dude was five years in a in a POW camp, right? You I at mean, least give him some credit that, for that, right? Yeah. And he had the opportunity to leave multiple times because his dad was mm-hmm. a respected admiral, and they didn't want to have an admiral's son right. there. And they he did not; he stayed with his guys, so love him or whatever. But that's what he had, right? And the fact that he would say, "I like I like soldiers that weren't that captured. weren't captured," yeah. I thought, oh. You're That's it. done, you right. know, or you haven't showed us your tax returns. You're, You're done. done, but didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, this is this is an example of just white right wing privilege, and that yeah. the, the the right wing get. So you're right. I mean, it, it does. It, I, I forgot what the point was. It's, I think making. it's just so. It's a, we need to, we so yes, the, we the, need. We to, got into this position because our opponents started a movement around issues. You know, they they hammered on abortion and guns, and you know these things that they stick with. And uh, people followed, and it didn't matter whose face was on there. We need to have a similar movement, and this is the way that we start that. Two really quick things I want to say. Follow uh, House Bill 397. It would end the use of driver's license suspensions to compel payment of fines and fees by poor defendants. Coming up on the House floor on Thursday. A uh, good one to maybe, you know, that would just mean if you can't afford to pay a fine and fee, you don't get your driver's license taken away. It's part of trying to unravel our uh, funding of the court system in this state on the backs of poor folks through these fines and fees. This is a small step, but an important one. House Bill 504, redistricting transparency. Check it out. It's an interesting bill coming up uh, in committee on May 9th. 
Thank you so much, uh, Peter Robbins-Brown, as uh, Communications Director for Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. You can find Thank more information about Power... What's that? Thank you for having me. Oh, Sorry yeah. Powercoalition.org. Uh, and then also you can check out uh, more information about Unleash Local at unleashlocal.org. Thank you, uh, uh, Representative Royce Duplessis, for appearing on air. Uh, coming up next is the great Mark Parody. Yeah, I may actually. I just saw that you're on the schedule for Thursday, so I may. Uh, I think I may. I may come out and, and watch Mark Parody. Go see Mark Parody, Johnny Sketch, and the Dirty Notes play at Gentilly twelve forty five. Great Mark Parody's up next. Mega Music Monday. Thank you, Peter. Whoops, that was a total. <laughs> oh, we went off air. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You would think that I've been doing this for about five years. I would learn how to do this. Uh, Yesterday, uh, got it. Yesterday, we had a great time. Had a great time seeing uh, Van Morrison.